This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. How are we doing today? Yeah, all right. We are continuing in our series Uh, Jesus the King based on, well, really it's a walk through the book of Mark, but based on the book by the same name, Jesus the King. We're just stealing a whole bunch of stuff, so we thought we'd title it by the same name. And if you were here last week, uh, we talked about uh, Jesus as he dealt with the Pharisees and their idea of what it means to be clean before God. And what he talked about and what we learned is that it's not uh, anything that we can do on the outside to make ourselves clean. It's nothing that we can do in all of our efforts to make ourselves clean before God, but it is Jesus and only Jesus that makes us clean. We literally have to come to him. It is him that does it for us. We we need him. And today we talk about as we uh, came to him and he makes us clean through salvation. And and I was thinking as we kind of this week, kind of coming out of last week, uh, what it's like when we come to Jesus in need. I thought about when I was a kid and when I came to my parents and whenever I had a special need for my parents. And when I mean a special need, I mean when I wanted something from my mom and dad. You know what I'm talking about? When I wanted to get something from my mom and dad. And so uh, if you were like me, in our house, we had a certain list of of unwritten yet very written rules of how you get things from mom and dad. You know what I'm talking about? For example, one of those was if I wanted a friend to come over and stay the night or if I wanted a friend to come over to the house that day, you never, and I mean you never, ever ask mom in front of other people. You know what I'm talking about? Because if you ask mom in front of other people, that's an automatic, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's an automatic no. So I learned, okay, we never ask. If I want some mom, mom, could you come over here? I want to talk to you in private about something very important, right? That's what we do. We do it that way. I learned that, hey, maybe it's a good idea if you can catch them while they're busy and maybe not listening so well. Maybe you can get something then, right? Huh? Or, or maybe if I could fill out, all right, which parent's in a better mood today? Who's probably more likely to say yes today, right? Maybe if I can butter mom up today, maybe she'll say yes, right? That's just me probably, right? Nobody else. Awkward long pause, right? It's interesting, though, as we think about that, right, how we relate to our parents, how we come to our mom and dad when we want something from them or we we think we have to do it a certain way to get uh, something from them. It's interesting to think how maybe we do that with God, right? Like maybe we, we feel like I need something from God, so there's a, maybe there's a certain type of a, approach or maybe there's some way I need to come to him so that I can, maybe if I do it the right way, then maybe he'll give me what I need. Maybe if I go to the preacher and get the preacher to pray for me, then maybe God's more likely to do it, right? No, <laughs> no. Or, or maybe if I like, hey, God, how about we work out a swap? Like I do X and then you do Y and then we all get Z, right? It all works out, right? Maybe if I pray, right? Well, today we're going to look at two kind of unique stories that happen back to back in the book of Mark where we have two people take 
two completely different approaches to Jesus, two different approaches to how they come to Jesus. And we're going to see Jesus respond really differently to each one. But in the end, they're both going to get what they need from Jesus. So what I want to do, we're going to examine the stories. We're going to read the stories, look at the stories, and see what we can learn from how um, we can maybe approach Jesus. And not just how we can approach Jesus, but how he's going to respond to us when we approach him. So let's check out Mark chapter 7, starting here in verse 24. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Y'all like my new cup I got? Katie got this for me because she said she was tired of the one I kept bringing on stage. She says this one was better. So starting verse 24, he said, he got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre, and he entered the house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, it's talking about Jesus. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, after hearing about Jesus, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So here we have, let's set the scene. If you've kind of been following along, Jesus has been doing a lot of miracles. He's been speaking and preaching to a lot of people. And here he is, as he's kind of coming off the end of that, he is, he's tired. He's tired. He has a human body. He's He's tired, and so he goes to this place where he's like, maybe I can just get away from people for a little bit. Maybe I can recover for a little bit. Maybe I can get a little bit of rest. And he says, I'm going to hang out here and just kind of secretly recover and get ready to go back out. But it doesn't work out that way. Because what happens is this woman hears about Jesus. She hears he's in the area, and she's going to do everything she can to find him. And she approaches him because the Bible says that she has a need. Her, her daughter is demon-possessed, and so she comes, and, and the scripture here says that she asks for Jesus' his help. But when we think of that, like asking for Jesus' help, it's not, she's not like, hey, Jesus, my daughter's got a demon. Maybe you could do something about that. It's not like that. It is, the idea here is she's literally on her knees before Jesus, begging Jesus, please. And the, the idea is here, she's asking continually, Jesus, please heal my daughter. Please cast out the demon. Jesus, only you can do it. Please, Jesus, can you help my daughter? Jesus, can you help my family? Like, it's the idea she's asking over and over and over. And maybe, maybe you're in here today and you're like, lady, have some respect. The dude's tired. Give him a break, right? Like, maybe, come on, re relax. That's... You're embarrassing yourself. Don't just fall on your knees and beg him. And, and I, would get, I would get that, and I would understand that, at least before I had kids. Keller, in his book, points out that there's different types of people in this world. There are cowards. He says there's regular people. There's heroes. You think of, like, you know, firefighters and, like, people like that. There's heroes. And then there's parents. And for her, this isn't about being rude or bold or brave. It's not even about her being courageous. This is all about her kid. Because when it comes to your kids, social norms and regular behavior, you can just throw that all out the window because her baby girl is suffering and there ain't nothing going to get in the way. What that means is there's nothing that's going to get in the way of her doing what she needs to do to save her daughter. So Jesus might as well just better get on board and start heading that way. I've seen this with my own wife, Katie, here in some pretty incredible ways. Katie helps lead worship here at the river. And uh, you see, as you have a kid, how things just kind of, a switch just kind of flips and things change, right? A few weeks ago, uh, I think it was our four-year anniversary service, actually. We were, we were getting ready, and Katie and the band, they were up here playing and getting ready, running through their set uh, to make sure, you know, everything's sound checked and ready to go. And I was in the back doing what I do, running my mouth, <laughs> talking. 
and uh, just kind of hanging out. And our little son, Judah, who's just over one, he's running around down here having a good time. And uh, anyways, as this is going on, I see Katie, who's up here on the stage, all of a sudden jump off the stage, run to Judah, pick him up, and look at me and go, you there now! And I'm going... You know what I did? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what was happening, but I knew that I need to get there now, right? What's happened was Judah was choking on a granola bar. Now, I didn't give him the granola bar. I don't know where he got the granola bar, but I was getting yelled at for the granola bar, right? But what was happening was my normally reserved wife was doing backflips off the stage, swiping up our kids, swiping out his mouth to make sure that her baby boy was okay right? Something changes in you. And this woman's no different. She's no different. And so Jesus, if he knows what's best for him, better start making his way towards her daughter, right? And yet that's not how he responds. Isn't that funny? There's so often in life we we set things up and we're going, this has to be, this has got to be the right response. Obviously, God, I know the correct response here. Right, obviously, I know the way things need to go here, Jesus. Let me go ahead and show you the right way to do it. And then he doesn't do it. How perplexing is that to us, right? Here's how he responds, verse 27. And he said to her, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Anybody else confused by that? You can be honest. This is one of those times you read your Bible and you're like, what is he talking about? It's, it's not only confusing, but on its face, it looks insulting, doesn't it? This has to be one of the, the most kind of un-Jesus responses of all time, because what he basically just did, or at least what it seems like on, his, on its face, is it seems like he just called her a dog. How many of you guys have a dog in here? How many of you like your dogs? Most of us. Some hands went down real fast, right? <laughs> that means you didn't have a choice in that dog, and I'm sorry, right? Now, maybe we're a dog-loving culture, but this is not a dog-loving culture, and to be called a dog is a, is a big insult. And so it seems like Jesus is calling her a dog, but let me say he's, he's not. He's giving her what Jesus does often in the Scriptures, is he's giving her kind of a parable or a riddle. And so she asks him, hey, Jesus, can you help my baby? And he says, well... The kids eat first, and then the dogs eat later. I say, what is, what's going on? Well, context is always important, right? we got to understand context. And what's going on is you notice the Scripture pointed out that she was a Gentile. She's not a, a Jewish person. And so because she's not a, a Jew, like, as a matter of fact, she's pretty far away from being a Jewish person. But Jesus, what he's trying to do is to point out to her, or at least reveal to her that, hey, I'm not here for the Gentiles yet. And by Gentiles, that's everybody who's not a Jew. Right? He's going, I'm not here to show myself to the Gentiles yet. I came first to reveal myself to the Jewish people. They're the people in the Old Testament that the Messiah was promised to. And so Jesus said, hey, I'm going to show myself to them first. I'm going to heal them first. I'm going to show God to them. I'm going to perform miracles for them first. I'm going to show them the Messiah first. Right? They're in desperate need of the Savior. And what he's saying to this woman is there's kind of a natural, or not a natural way, but there's an order to the way God wants to do these things. And lady, by asking me to come to your house and to heal your daughter, you're asking me to do things out of order. 
And, and, and I want to, this is important. He's not saying the Jewish people are more important than everybody else, or he's not saying to her, lady, you don't matter, right? But what he is saying is there's a certain plan. God has a certain plan for how he's going to reveal me to the world. And if you're asking me to go heal your daughter right now, you're asking me to do things out of order, right? So just like at the dinner table, the family eats, the kids eat, and then the dogs kind of get to eat the scraps later. That's, that's kind of how this goes. And, and again, he's not calling her a dog, not saying she's worthless, but he's just saying there's kind of an order to the way things, the way I want to do things. It's kind of like all of you people who have a dog, if you have a fantastic dog like my dog, Charlie, what he does is he comes and he sits at the, next to the dinner, not at the dinner table. There's some weirdos that do that, you weirdos, right? Not at the dinner table, but next to the, he's on the ground, he's watching us, and when we get done eating, you know what happens? Charlie gets the scraps. He cannot wait for my one-year-old Judah to get out of his high chair because he knows there's all kinds of goodies up in that high chair, am I right? And so as soon as he gets down, Charlie is up in there, and it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship. We don't have to clean because he does it for us. It's fantastic, right? And she's just saying, it's, it's not your time yet. First, I reveal myself. I'm going to reveal myself to the Jewish community, and then I'm going to show the world who I am. But it's just not your turn yet. And another interesting layer to this is that she's not only not a Jewish person, but she's really, her community, the, the, her, her community is kind of an enemy of the Jewish and Israelite culture. She's from Tyree, which is kind of this political threat to the Jewish community. It's a very rich community. It's, it's, they have tons of food and resources, and there's kind of this hostility between their two communities. She's kind of this, you know, rich, well-to-do lady. The Jewish community is not as well off as they are, and, and really it's kind of likening this idea to somebody whose child is suffering or in need and going to like a free clinic, and they're this rich person going to the free clinic, and they're going, excuse me, I need to get in front of all the other people, and by the way, I need the best do- doctors for my kid, right? She's going, well, we're doing things a little bit out of order first. And so Jesus responds. He says, it's not your turn yet. It's not your turn yet. He's not saying it won't be your turn. He's just saying it's not your turn yet. But here's something amazing is she doesn't give up. She responds to Jesus' parable here like no one has responded to Jesus to this point in Mark. Verse 28, it says, she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Interesting. 29, then he told her, because of your reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went back to her home and she found her child lying in the bed and the demon was gone. What just happened? Like Jesus calls her a dog, she talks about crumbs, and now the demon's gone. What in the world is going on? In essence, here's what she says to Jesus. Okay, look, I get it. I'm not an Israelite. I'm not, a, I'm not in the Jewish community, right? And I'm, I know I'm far away from the Jewish community, right? I know I may be trying to ask you to do things out of order, but hey, even the puppies get some crumbs when they fall from the table. And again, just like my dog Charlie, he may wait until Judah's out of his seat to jump up and get all the good stuff, but you better believe he is grabbing everything that falls off that table, right? As Judah's eating and he's dropping things, Charlie's boom, 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 right? He's picking it up. We know that to be true, right? So he's going, hey, maybe the natural, maybe here's the natural order that we're looking for here, but hey, sometimes crumbs fall off the table and the dogs get to eat them first. 
And so what she's saying to Jesus is, can you do this for me now? Maybe even before you reveal yourself to the world, can you do this for me now? And let's just call it a a glimpse, a crumb, a glimpse of your goodness, a glimpse of your glory, a, a crumb of who you are. And Jesus gives her this parable. And what's incredible here is because she's not even from the Jewish community, but she's the first person to this point in the book of Mark that Jesus gives a parable to and he doesn't have to explain it to her. She gets it, and then she responds in the perfect way, so much so that she moves Jesus to answer her question. Wow. Wow. And what's interesting, what's what's even incredible is that she even responds in this way. Because of her social status, because of who she was, she could have been insulted and said, fine, Jesus, do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? You're just from this little Jewish community. You have nothing. My, Tyree, we're so, we're so much better than you. We're richer than you. We're more well-off than you. Do, you know, do you know who you're talking to? How dare you say that to me, Jesus? And yet she recognizes who she is in relation to Jesus. She doesn't let her pride get in the way, and she humbles herself before Jesus. And she says, okay, Jesus, but you, could you just give me a crumb? And I want to say this, River Church, And I want you to hear this. So often in our lives, we miss what Jesus is trying to do and work and heal and transform because of our stupid egos. We look at our pride and we go, I can't forgive that person. Do you know who? Come on. I I can't apologize. Come on, Jesus. I'm Michael Gerald, pastor of the River Church. I'm so important. Tens of people come to my church every week. That was very offensive that y'all laughed so hard at that. This woman needs something from Jesus, and he says something to her that on its face seems like an insult, but she doesn't defend herself. She doesn't claim her rights. She doesn't talk about who she is or what she should be owed. Instead, she says, Jesus, I understand that I don't deserve this, but I'm asking you to give me what I don't deserve, not because I'm good, but because you are good. And by the way, I need it now. That's a pretty powerful prayer, isn't it? Matter of fact, I would encourage you to write that in your notes. Let me say this for you one more time so that you can pray this. I understand, Jesus, I don't deserve this, but I'm asking you to give me what I don't deserve, not because I'm good, but because you are good. And there's two things we can learn from this woman because she walks this incredibly fine line. Is Number one, don't let your pride get in the way. Humble yourself before God, but that doesn't mean that you can't approach him boldly. That doesn't mean you can't approach him boldly. You humble yourself. You come before God with confidence in his goodness. With confidence. She doesn't shy away when he seems to turn her away. Deeply, she knows that Jesus is good, and so she confidently presses in to his goodness. She confidently presses in to his nature. I know you seem like you're turning me away, Jesus, but I know you're good. I trust you. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to trust your response. story moves on. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 here. 
says, again, leaving the region of Tyre. So here he is. He heals her. They leave. He begins to leave. He went by Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, to the region of uh, Decapolis. They brought him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hands on him. Now, what's interesting about this story is it basically happens and occurs in the total opposite way that this other woman comes and meets Jesus. Like she's coming, knocking down the door, falling on her face, begging Jesus over and over to heal her daughter. This man, on the other hand, is brought to Jesus by other people, and he's not begging and yelling and asking Jesus to heal him because he can't speak. He's mute. He's deaf, right? He's, he's not asking with impressive comebacks. He's just there hoping to get what Jesus will give him. And yet the way Jesus interacts with him is also fascinating. Look at this, verse 33. He took him away from the crowd in private after putting his fingers on the man's ears, spitting, and he touched his tongue. And looking up to the heavens, he sighed deeply and said to him, I can't pronounce that word, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly, and he ordered them to tell no one. But of course, the way things go in life, right? The more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Amen. So he takes this man away from the crowd. He puts his hands on his ears, touches his mouth, spits, commands his his ears and mouth to be opened. And we read that and we're going, what's, why is he doing it this way, right? Like you, you keep looking at these stories, you're like, why is he, like, is this, does he have to, does he have to touch the ears? He has this, is this like some kind of ritual, like a rain dance, almost trying to make the healing happen, right? Is this something going on that he's doing to make it happen? But if, if we remember how we've been walking through the book of Mark, Jesus has never done this before. Right? He's never, he's never done this before. But like when, when we remember uh, when he calmed the storm, he's in the boat, what does he do? He wakes up and goes, storm, stop. What's it do? A couple weeks ago, we talked about him raising the the little girl from the dead. He sits next to her bed, holds her hand, and says, sweetie, get up. And she gets up. Even now, with this woman from Tyree that he just interacted to, he he didn't even say nothing. He just said, go home. The demon's gone. And yet with this man, he touches his ears. He touches his mouth. He spits in order to heal him. Like, why the theatrics, Jesus? Because the answer is, there's no theatrics at all. Here's something I want you to think about. Jesus always gives you what you need. Not what someone else needs. Jesus gives you what you need. He knows you. He knows the things that speak to you. He knows the way that you understand him. He moves and acts in your life personally because he is a personal God, because he knows you intimately. And so the woman before, she came and spoke, and Jesus humbled her in a way, but teaching her, hey, come humbly but bold. Trust in my goodness, right? You don't deserve it, but trust in my goodness. He humbles her and heals her deeply and sets her free way more than demon possession. And River Church, he knows you intimately and works and moves in the way that you will understand. You will hear him. You will see him, and you will grow deeply in your relationship with him. This man's ailments are different than the woman's before. She's speaking. She's begging. He's deaf. He's mute. And what Jesus does here 
is incredibly beautiful. He enters into the man's world. He enters into the man's world. Think about this. When you talk to a, a little child, what do you do? I don't know. I hate kids. No, I'm just kidding. Yell. Lots of yelling, Mike, if you want to be honest. Lots of yelling. Well, for me, when I speak to a kid, or at least I see him initially, one thing I, I, I don't always do, but a lot of times I, know, I, I want to get down. I want to look at their eyes. I want to get on their level. I want to enter into their world. Right? Up here is scary, but to come down here and look them into the eyes, that's different. It's up more up close. That might scare them. Whoa! <laughs> You're much scarier looking up close. <laughs> right? But for my boys, I get down on a low. I want to, when I talk to Gideon, I'm, hey, bud, how you doing? How was your day? How's it going? I, I, want to, I want to see his eyes. I want him to see my eyes. Same thing for Judah. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I want him to see his dad. And one, I would love, I want the, the hugs easily accessible, right? But I want him to see me. I want him to know, hey, dad's right here. Dad's, in, dad's here in your world, bud. What's going on? And I think Jesus does the same thing for us. I think he does the same thing for this man right here. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a child, but what I'm saying is that Jesus is entering into his world intentionally. He's deaf. He's mute. Jesus uses sign language. He touches his ears. He spits. He touches his mouth. He's touching his ears as if to say, hey, I'm about to loose your ears. He spits, which, by the way, was symbolic of loosing the tongue, <laughs> right? When I was a kid, I was stuttering, talking to my mom. I was like, oh, you know, but, 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 and she said, spit it out, and I went, sorry for you right there in the front row. And why? Because in my, I understood that as, okay, spit. But what she was saying was, hey, loose the tongue, Mike. Speak. Talk. He touches his mouth. He's about to say, hey, I'm about to make you speak. He wants the man to understand what he's doing because he can't hear Jesus. Ears. Mouths. He's communicating on this man with a level that he can understand. And Jesus pulls him away from the crowd. You go, why does he pull him away from the crowd? Does he not want anyone to see the miracle? Well, he's entered into this man's world. Jesus understands this man. He knows what he needs. And Jesus knows that this man's entire life, he's been a spectacle. He's, he's the deaf guy. He's the mute guy. He's the one that walks into a crowd and everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows, oh, that's the, yeah, that's the deaf guy over there. That's the mute guy over there. He's probably been the center of attention for all the wrong reasons for all of his life. He's probably been made fun of. He's probably been mocked. He's probably been taken advantage of. You ever been the center of attention for all the wrong reasons? <laughs> this man has ailments that probably make him feel less than human. And Jesus says, I know who you are. I, I, I know that you've been a spectacle. I'm not, I'm not going to make a spectacle of you, especially not in your healing. And so Jesus says, I'm going to take you away, and I'm going to heal you in private. Not for anyone else to see, but you and me. And then what happens from there on out, you know whose choice that is? That's your choice. Now come and be healed. And he does. He enters into the man's world. He speaks to him in a way that he can understand, and he gives him exactly what he needs. And what's amazing about these stories is that we can see in them some pretty amazing things. This woman, she could have been, she could have let her pride get in the way of her finding healing for her daughter. 
And yet she said, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to trust in his goodness. And I'm going to come boldly to the king. But even similarly, this man could have been on the other side of it. He could have been too ashamed to come to Jesus. He could have said, I'm, I'm deaf. I'm, I can't go to Jesus. I can't. No, 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 no. And especially, remember this, in this time, the community here, they viewed these ailments, death, blindness, as, as punishment from God for sin. So maybe there is even not just shame, but he's feeling guilt. Oh, my goodness. I can't. No, 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 no God. You, I can't go before Jesus. I mean, look at me. Maybe he had to have help, but he came to Jesus. And what I know is because she came and because he came, they got what they needed from Jesus. And maybe that's your story today. River Church, let me say this to you. Don't let your pride keep you from Jesus. But you know what else? Don't let your guilt and your shame keep you from Jesus either. Because he says, come to me. You go, but Mike, I feel so unworthy. Well, guess what? You are unworthy. But it's not our goodness that makes us clean. It's his goodness. Amen? So River Church, come. And come boldly. Come humbly. But come boldly. Come with confidence in the goodness of our King. that he will enter into your world and he will speak to you and heal you in a way that you'll understand, that you'll see. That in spite of who we are, that he saves. In spite of who we are, he sets us free. In spite of who we are, he heals because of who he is. We have two intertwined stories of healing today. And to each person, Jesus spoke to them and provided to them just what they needed. And I believe he'll move in your life in the same way. Relationships that are broken, I believe he can heal. Areas of sin that have a stranglehold on you, I believe he can set you free. Looking for salvation in this place today, I believe he can save your soul. But don't let pride get in the way. Don't let shame get in the way. Come boldly and expectantly. Seek him and you will find him. And my prayer this morning for us, River Church, is that when you do that, your life will become a story of victory. And it'll be a story that we get to talk about from this stage one day. Amen? Proclaiming the goodness of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who transforms and saves, not because we are good, but because he is good. River Church, stand with me this morning. We're going to sing one more song. And we're going to worship a king for his goodness. And we're going to take communion this morning, and we'll have it down here at the front. You come whenever you would like. Take communion. You can take it back to your seat. Meditate on the goodness of our king. And as you do that, remember that communion is a reminder of the ultimate revelation of God's goodness, the cross. And it's because of the cross that we can have salvation, that we can have life, that we can have transformation. So as the band comes, let's worship our King this morning. Let me pray for us. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, God. 
Thank you that you heal. Thank you that you save. Thank you that you set free, God. Thank you that you're a God that we can come before humbly yet boldly. That we can come expectantly. Maybe you won't give us what we think we need, but you'll give us exactly what what we do need. Lord, draw us to you today, Father. Heal in this place today, Jesus. Set people free in this place today, Jesus. Save souls in this place today, Jesus. Father, we love you and we worship you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.